Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. What's going on, Christ Fellowship? How y'all doing? Can we just give Jesus some praise in this place today? Because he's faithful and he's good. And his word is true. I'm so honored to be here, so excited. Y'all can have y'all seats. I'm believing that God has a word for you today. I heard that my friend Earl McClellan was here a couple weeks ago and he had his ankles out. So I decided to keep mine tucked away. Come on, somebody. Not enough lotion was in the hotel room, so we'll keep them covered up. And I'm so pumped uh, to be here. Uh, in, in sunny Florida, West Palm Beach. Like, 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 this is the perfect place to start a church. Come on, somebody. This is the perfect place to have. This is a perfect place to live. How many of y'all love West Palm Beach? Come on. Not only do I love West Palm Beach, I, I love it because two of my favorite people in the, on the planet live here. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the guy who owns the, the good barbecue place down the street. I'm talking about your amazing pastors. Can we give it up for your amazing pastors, Todd and Julie, and their incredible family? Before I jump in, just to talk a little bit about them, they have no idea uh, just the oil, if they will, the anointing that they uh, just, just poured on Irene and I in just a, a crazy season of our lives of transition and, and honestly just healed so much on the inside of us. Just two amazing People, I, I don't know two more genuine people in my life, I, like praying for us and believing in us and believing for you. They talk about you so much. And, and I know, like, I, I don't like to do the over honor thing, uh, you know, but I just love you guys. And I just want to thank God for you guys in our lives. And uh, it's good. I, I got white friends. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I, we love you guys so much and love the whole CF team. And uh, thank you guys for just your hospitality and your friendship. And uh, also, I got a picture of my amazing family. Well, some of them are amazing. Uh, if you can take a look at the picture on the screen. This is us. Come on, somebody. Uh, my wife, Irene, I honor you. 22 years of marriage. I know y'all like, you're not that old. Black don't crack. So 22 years of marriage, and uh, she's the one that has her hand on my face because I'm so handsome. And my daughter Kayla's in the middle. She's 20. She's going to Southeastern in the fall. Amen. And then uh, Jaden, y'all pray, stretch your hands out. So he's like halfway saved. We're trying to get him all the way there. He's going to Southeastern in the fall also. Uh, and then Maya, my 16-year-old, she's with us. And uh, I absolutely, this is my miracle. And so I'm thanking God for my miracle right there. Amen. I'm excited to preach today. I'm excited. I believe God has a word for you no matter what campus you're at. If you're watching online, I believe that today God set you up for a blessing. God set you up for a miracle. I bought my B3 with me. Come on, somebody. It's right here. You just can't see it. We might shout a little bit. We might do a little Jericho march around the stage. Come on, somebody. Y'all might as well get used to talking to your neighbor because I'm a black preacher. I'm going to make you talk to your neighbor. Amen. Uh, but let's, let's look at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and, and one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 
And it says this in Mark 2, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying, it was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Let me illustrate that for a second. Here, Jesus has caused this entire house to be full. It's packed, it's crowded. Miracles are happening. People are getting set free and delivered and healed. But the Bible says that it was so packed, there was so much need that there was no more room. Why was there no more room? Well, the Bible says that there was no more room because of the crowd. And my story, could it be that there was no more room because of religious people? Maybe there was no more room because there were people who judged people because they sinned differently than them. Maybe there was no more room because people loved having church but not necessarily being the church. I don't know about you, but if Jesus causes a house to be full, I want to make sure that the people in the house are full of Jesus. I don't want to ever run out of room for lost people. I don't want to ever run out of room for broken people, for people that aren't there just yet. It says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So what they did is they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Four guys were passionate to bring lost people to Jesus. Four guys were passionate to bring homeless people to Jesus. Paralyzed people to Jesus. They lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. And I love this, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. What an, a powerful scripture. An amazing scripture that I believe illustrates the potential of the church. The potential of the local church if we're always pressing and on mission to bring in lost people to Jesus. I want to preach to you from the topic over the next few minutes. Rip the roof off. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, rip the roof off. I love how Mark here is describing this scripture and illustrates it. He first says that the news spread quickly, that Jesus was back home. Come on, y'all, this is pre-social media. Come on, young people, this is pre-Snapchat or pre-TikTok. Come on, older people, this is pre-Facebook or MySpace. The news spread quickly that Jesus was doing miracles in the house. The news spread quickly that people were stepping into purpose and coming into freedom and, and white people and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people and rich people and poor people have packed the house because what unites us is our need for salvation. And the news spread quickly that Jesus was back home. I love this because Capernaum is Jesus' like hometown. 
It's his chief, like this is where he launched his ministry. There's nothing like having the home field advantage. Come on, where are my sports fans at? At every campus, online. You know that the winning percentages go up when you feel like you're at home. I love how the local church is my home field. I I love that when I get into Christ fellowship, when I come and I'm worshiping corporately with people, I feel like there's more for me than against me. I feel like nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. I feel like that no matter how far I'm down in life, someone else's encouragement on my row, someone else's worship on my row, man, it fuels me that if they can make it, I can make it. There's a testimony in the church. There's a testimony at your campus. There's a testimony in your community that, guess what, that if they can make it, that's why the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our story. We have to learn how to put down shame and pick up our story and says, look what the Lord has done. I gotta rip the roof off. I gotta take the limits off. The news spread quickly that he was back home. As I study this passage of scripture, many theologians say that this house that Jesus is in, it was Peter's house. I I love that it's Peter's house because that encourages me that God can use anyone. Come on, somebody. There's some people in here that are like Peter, come on. Like you haven't dotted all your I's, you haven't crossed all your T's, you shouldn't be here but for the grace and the mercy of God. And you says, man, if, if God can use Peter, then God can use me. If God can show up in the midst of Peter's house, then God can show up in the midst of my house. Why? Because God doesn't use us because of us. He uses us in spite of us. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I love the fact that in this house, the roof came off of Peter's house. Can I encourage you, Christ Fellowship? I don't know what limit you might be under. I don't know where your faith is on the other side of COVID-19. I don't know where you are with the political tension and the racial tension, but what I do know is Jesus is in the house. Uh And because Jesus is in the house, We don't have to be right or left, we're vertical, man. We're kingdom, come on somebody, because Jesus is in the house. The last time I checked, when Jesus, when I gave my life to Jesus, that my ethnic culture became a subculture to the kingdom culture. And now Todd and Julie can be my brother and my sister because we are united in Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when Jesus is in the house. Man, being a part of the local church is like having the home field advantage. I love Christ Fellowship. I love what God is doing here in this church. I love the outreach. I love, you know, when we, when we got a chance to come into the city and kind of go through and tour and look at everything that God was doing through you. Do you know what God is doing in you? You guys are changing the world. You guys, I'm telling you that when you give, you don't give to a church, you give through a church and people are getting blessed because you are a part of this house. Pastor, what are you... What do you mean rip the roof off? 
We got to look at the tension of this passage of Scripture to understand how, how do we make more room for paralyzed people. I'm glad you asked me, number one. We've got to move in purpose. We got to move in purpose. We can't just move in power. I grew up in a church where my parents were the pastors, so I can talk about it. Come on, somebody. And man, we would say, man, we had church today. Church was amazing. Man, God moved. Come on, we did 10 Jericho marches, four offerings. (laughs) Had a long church name. Don't stereotype us. (laughs) Say, how many people got saved? We don't know, but God moved. How many people came to freedom? I don't know, but God moved. What happens is we had a church that had power, but not necessarily purpose. There's purpose for power. In Acts 1 it says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, which means that the Holy Spirit gives us power to do what? To be in purpose to reach lost people for Jesus. We have to move in purpose. It's as soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, four men decided, four people, four world changers decided to, to move not just in power, but in purpose. And they went and they carried a guy on a mat and they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now here in this church, let's call it first assembly of Peter's house to the third power. It's a black church. If it was a white church, it would just be called Christ Fellowship. It's a joke. Something was happening. The news was spreading. There's awesome teaching. People are getting healed. The worship team is rocking it out. Kids ministry is awesome. But there were signs, not really physical signs, but signs that says no paralytic people allowed. Signs that said, man, we go to church, but we're not sure about being the church. Man, I'm telling you guys, this is my personal revival because this is where I was. I was in a place where I was doing church and preaching and and so excited that people showed up, but not really purposed and in mission for people to walk in freedom that were paralyzed. Realize we gotta move and purpose. The place is packed, but there's no power. People didn't understand that church doesn't start when service starts, but church starts when service is over. I don't go to church, I am the church. Christ Fellowship, I came to tell you, we're not a church on a block, we're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We don't pastor a church, we pastor a city. We pastor cities. 
That's why I love the vision of this church. We got to keep growing. We got to keep expanding. We got to keep reaching lost people. We need more campuses. We can never settle because if we settle, there becomes a lid on the church and we got to keep ripping the roof off of this thing. Keep reaching more people. Keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Hmm. Years ago in Maryland, in Maryland it snows a lot. I'm, I'm from right outside of Baltimore in Annapolis and I'm talking about snowing for real. Come on, we got some Annapolis folks up in here. I'm talking about for real snow. I'm talking about like three feet. I'm talking about so much snow, white people lose their children. I can find mine. There's one, there's two, there's three. I got like a mix, Irene, her, her, her dad is, is white and so she's mixed biracial and, and so we've got our son Jaden, he just changes with the seasons, his color, and so I kinda can find him. And it was so much snow that the electricity went out in our house. Now, I, I, I used to be 420 pounds. Uh-huh, y'all looking at me like, really? Yeah, look what the Lord has. Y'all, can you, can you do me, just pray for me a second because I look so good, my wife really has a hard time keeping her hands off me. <laughs> but the electricity went out. Electricity went out and, and there was a problem. Why? Because the freezer wasn't working. And what was in the freezer? Chicken that needed to be fried. Come on, somebody. Don't judge me, don't stereotype me because a white man owns Chick-fil-A. And so I had a passion to make sure that the power came back on. And so we went, uh, Irene was calling around and we, we needed a generator. And everyone was sold out and so we found one hardware store that had a generator. So I made it my, my purpose to go outside of our house and I went and I stood in line. It was a long line at the, at the, at the hardware store uh, and this lady was about to cut in line. I had to first make sure she didn't go to my church before I checked her. I said, get behind me, lady, Satan. I mean, lady. So I stood in line and I paid all this money for this generator and I got home and we started plugging everything back up into the generator. We plugged the freezer, we plugged the electric fryer, we plugged the curling iron because my wife's hair was all over the place. I'm telling y'all, it was amazing. Everything came back on because of the generator. Years ago, we moved out of that house. That generator was in the garage, it was in the corner. And I asked my son to come help me move and he said, hey dad, what's that? dusty thing over in the corner. I said, what? I said, that? He goes, yeah. I said, that's a generator. And he said, what? What's its purpose? And I said, well, what it does is, its purpose is it's to give power to things that don't have power. But we have to make an intentional effort to plug those things that don't have power into that generator. And he says, great. So why is it in the corner, dusty, because I lost focus of things that didn't have power. And I started thinking about the local church. I don't wanna be relevant in one season where we're plugging people and lost people and paralyzed people 
people and to the church in one season and then we lose focus and we lose mission and the generator, the local church is sitting over in the corner comfortable being a, going to church but not being a church. No, we have to plug broken people into the power. We have to plug lost people into the power. We have to plug paralyzed people into the power. We have to move in power and in purpose. If the generator, the local church is gonna operate in its purpose, we must always plug paralyzed people into the power. Let me say it this way. The power of the church is in the hands of Jesus. But the potential of the church is in the hands of his people. There are people on your block that need to be plugged into the power. There are people in your neighborhood and on your job and in the grocery store and in the, and in the football stands that need to be plugged into the power. And God is looking for a church. God is looking for a crowd of people that don't get comfortable inside of the four walls of the church that will take this gospel outside the four walls of the church. Why? Because if we don't, it's not the great commission. It's actually the great omission. And how weird is it if you were to walk in on me at my house and I was fishing in an aquarium? <laughs> Crazy, like he's weird. That's what happens when we are fishing for fish that are already caught. But when we take this gospel this freeing power of Jesus outside the four walls of the church. We're making disciples of paralyzed people. We're not fishing in an aquarium. We're fishing in the sea of the lost. We're fishing in the sea of the broken. We're fishing in the sea of the discouraged and the depressed and those who have suicidal thoughts and anxiety. We must operate in purpose and in power. Number two, we gotta move in purpose. Number two, we gotta move in compassion. It says while he was preaching, Mark two, two and three, God's word to them, four men. They arrived carrying a man on a mat. I believe that they couldn't carry this man on a mat. They couldn't carry him on the journey to healing until they first carried him in their heart. They couldn't pick him up with their hands until they picked him up with their heart. Pastor, what is compassion? Compassion doesn't judge. Compassion doesn't say, well, they should get a job. Everyone's hiring. Compassion simply says that my heart breaks for the things that breaks the heart of God. And because my heart breaks for the things that breaks the heart of God, check it out. Now, compassion is putting someone else's hurts in my heart until they're healed. Compassion is putting someone else's hurts in my heart until they're healed. Compassion. Pastor, where did this happen for you? Man, I was in the church, in my parents' church, as executive pastor, I'll never forget. I was on a missions trip in Nairobi, Kenya. And I was between Nakuru and Nairobi. 
and we broke down in the middle of the Rift Valley. I'm not talking about breaking down in the hood. I'm talking about breaking down where you could be eaten. And I was the slowest and the biggest. So I looked like a good meal. Come on, somebody. And when we were broken down, I fell asleep and I had this dream. And this is, this is the dream, it's my dream. And I don't, I don't want it to convict anyone, it convicted me, but I just, just come into my world for a second and I was doing church, I love church, but I wasn't being the church. And, and, and I went to sleep and I, and I was in court. And it was a different kind of court. God was the judge, Jesus was the prosecutor, and in the jury stand was a homeless guy from Baltimore City. In the jury stand was a racist skinhead guy that I had saw on the news earlier that month. In the jury was a single mom in our city who, who had a son who, who was looking for a positive male uh, mentorship for her son. In the jury was a little kid from Tanzania who had to walk three miles every day to get water for his family. And I was on trial. And what was different about this courtroom is I wanted to be found guilty. But if I wasn't found guilty, it's kind of Matthew 25, 31 through 46, when Jesus says, when you did it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. I was on trial, and, 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 and I remember Jesus saying uh, uh, to, the, to the jury stand, hey, hey, homeless guy, on earth, did you know Jimmy? He said, no. The little kids from Tanzania, on earth, did you know Jimmy? No. Didn't know Jimmy, I don't know who Jimmy is. The single mom on earth, did you know Jimmy? No. Don't know who Jimmy is. The racist guy, did, do you know Jimmy? No, I, I, I don't know Jimmy. And Jesus looks at me and says, because they didn't know you on earth, I can't know you in heaven. And I, was, I woke up and I realized that I didn't have compassion. Yeah, I remember when all the race stuff went down years ago when in Virginia, in Charlottesville, I had to preach a message to my church. My church at the time was 99% African-American because my wife is biracial. <laughs> and Attention was great, and remember my dad calling me, what are you gonna preach? I said, uh, I'm gonna preach a message dad today called Justified Unforgiveness. And he said, son, there's no such thing. I said, I know. Even when I experience hate, God still calls me to forgive. And I got up and Worship was terrible that day, everyone was angry. What are we gonna do? I was getting called by different organizations that wanted me to champion things that just weren't in my heart to champion. I was called a sellout on Facebook and I got up and I, and I preached how I've been forgiven of so much. And because I've been forgiven, I. I can't hold on to unforgiveness to anyone. And in that moment, I realized that that racist guy knew Jimmy. It's crazy how we can be so against things 
But do people actually know what we're for? I've come to find out, Christ Fellowship, that it is impossible to make a difference if we're always trying to make a point. Compassion doesn't make a point. Compassion points people to Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man uh, came to seek and save those who are lost. I've been asking myself, Jimmy, how do you keep your compassion? Christ Fellowship, how do we keep up our compassion? We gotta look at the mat. This is an exercise mat, it doesn't know me very well. (laughs) But for the sake of this illustration, That's my misery. That's my hiccups. That's my hangups. Pastor, how, how do you keep your compassion? I never forget my mat. Now I know we're saved, sanctified, redeemed, and blood bought and covered and in church and know all the words to the songs. But do you remember when you won your mat? Do you remember when your marriage was broken? Do you remember when you were facing addiction? Do you remember when you were confused and in doubt and and having suicidal thoughts? Do you remember your mat? Because if you remember your mat, you'll make it a point to carry somebody else's. Can you imagine the guy who's paralyzed? He's hearing all of these people go to church. He's hearing, man, Jesus is in the house, but he can't get to the church himself. They're passing him because they got to be on time because they serve on the serve team. He's like, man, I, I, I heard that. Can hey, help? I'm paralyzed in fear. I'm paralyzed in complacency. I'm paralyzed in addiction. Is there anybody that has my story that can help me get to Jesus? Do you remember when you were on a mat? I've come to find out that so many of us in church, this was me, I wanted to God, God, send me to the four corners of the earth. And God was like, God talks to me like this, nah, Jimmy, can you grab the corner of somebody's mat? Compassion. I'll never forget my mat. I'll never forget my misery because I've come to find out that my greatest Misery has the potential to be God's greatest ministry. If I go grab the corner of the mat, I struggle with myself. We got to move in purpose. We got to move in compassion. I've come to find out that when people's pain becomes my passion, then I'm in God's purpose. Doesn't matter what job I have. Doesn't matter where I am. Yesterday we were eating and uh, uh, breakfast, and and there was a girl who was in, uh, you know, uh, serving us. And and, I mean, I just love. I'm gonna invite her to Christ Fellowship Church. 
I grabbed the corner of her mat. Say, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you go to church? No. There's a great church. The preacher's not going to be great tomorrow, but... And we invited a church. Why? Because I had to move in purpose. I had to move with compassion. Number three, I had to move in urgency. These four guys, man, they said, what do we do to get these, this, this lost, this paralyzed God to Jesus? They picked up the corner of his mat and they get back to the church, but it's full. That door is covered. That window was covered. They can't get him in right there. What do we do? What they did was, is they said, I've got a great idea. There's some steps right there. Let's take steps to go higher, to get kingdom perspective, to see how we can change the front door of the church. That's what I love about this church. You've changed the front door of the church. Man, you guys with the foster care and, the, and the, all the things that you're doing with global and local missions, what you're doing is you're changing the front door of the church. What you're doing is you're ripping the roof off of complacency. You're ripping the roof off of comfortability. You're ripping the roof off of constriction with urgency. We have to do more. We've got to go further. We've got to do more. When I started our church years ago, I said, we're going to have a track and field program. I didn't know. I just felt like, man, we, man, we, before we invite people to church, let's take church to the people. So we started a track and field program. There was this lady, her name is April, and she was the single mom in the jury. And she decided to sign her son up. It was like the dream that I had was playing out. So she signed her son up because she was looking for male mentorship for her son. So we had a, a, a dream team rally. And, and so with track and field, I started the ice ministry. Come on, somebody. All you had to do was bring ice to the track meet. You know, God can reach people through ice. And so April had to come to the dream team one day. She came to the one day, and I knew that whole one day, I was just waiting for the, come on, somebody, for the salvation moment. April was going to get saved. And so I got up there, and I'm about to, I said, I, I feel a word from the Lord. I was looking at April. Come on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm peeking. I look at April, and I give the salvation call. April raises her hand. Oh, my God. Her son raises his hand. They give their life to Jesus. I couldn't believe it. How? Through ice? We ripped the roof off because we started ice ministry. So, so April started coming to church. Her mom was in church her, her whole life. Uh, uh, she went to a traditional African-American church in our city. Uh, uh, and they came to our church. They wondered, who is the preacher on the stage with the jeans on and, and, and the hat and the, come on, and, the, and the Jordans on? And she was about three rows back. She had a big church lady hat, and she was blocking about four rows behind her. I gave a salvation call. This woman had been in church her whole life. She raised her hand. What? Two weeks later, we found out that Miss Faye had terminal cancer. She was given two months to live. I was a young pastor. I didn't know what to do. I showed up at the hospital. Miss Faye looked at me. I said, Miss Faye, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray. I'll just pray. She goes, it's okay. God told me that this is not under death. What? I saw faith in action. Two months went by, 
Miss Faith says, I'm still going to serve at church every Sunday. She pulled up her, her stool. She came to church. She was at the door welcoming people, had went through chemo welcoming people. She was grabbing the corner of people's mats and not even realizing it was just through serving. You have no idea that when you serve, the anointing that you add to the house of God, I'm telling you right now, Miss Faith showed up every single day. Two months went by, four months went by, six months went by. Miss Faith sent me a text. I still have it in my phone. She says, you'll never guess what happened. The doctor, uh, 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 she, he, they just did a scan and they can't find the cancer anywhere. And Miss Faith was healed. Why was Miss Faith healed? Because there was a church who took the roof off, who started a track and field program, who started ministering to, to, to her daughter through ice. God was not after April. God was not just after her son. God was after cancer. And I'm telling you right now that if we will do what we can do in our lives to rip the roof off, you never know what God can do through you. We got to move through urgency. And I'm out of your way. The last one, we got to move out in faith. Can you put that scripture up there? I love this scripture. Because it says, seeing their faith, they, they put this guy right down in front of Jesus. And then Jesus looks at them and says this, seeing their faith. This wrecks my theology, Pastor. Whose faith? Not the God on the mat. Seeing their faith, seeing the faith of the local church. Jesus said to the lost people, my child, your sins are forgiven. Oh my gosh, what that tells me is that your faith has the ability to change someone else's future. And I'm telling you right now, you never know how God is using you to change someone else's story. This guy is sitting in front of Jesus. He gets healed. Man, I'm telling you right now, if that was me, I would have said, look what the Lord has done. Come on, I would have did an old school march around that mat. Jesus says, no. Jesus says, stand up. Pick it up. What? I don't want to pick this up. This hurts. There's wounds on this. There's scabs on this. There's a story on this. I don't want anyone to know. I don't want anyone to know what I used to do and what I used to be through it. I, I, I don't want, I, I, can't, I can't pick it up. And Jesus says, no, pick it up. And he says, you can't leave it because someone else needs it. He says, pick up your mat, go out into the city and say, look what the Lord has done. And God used that misery on that mat for a great ministry. Christ Fellowship, no matter what campus at, if you're in your living room, can you stand with me at this moment? I'm believing that in this season that God is going to use your story for greater glory. And God is saying, pick up your story, pick up your mat, put down the shame, and look what the Lord has done. We got to move in purpose. We got to move with compassion. We have to move with urgency. And now we got to move out in faith. Can I pray for you? Can we just put our hands in this surrender position? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person at every campus, at every location. Father, that you would give us passion to do a little mat ministry. Father, that we would never forget where we came from. 
that we would be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, not just in church, but outside of church. God, teach us to be like you. May our hearts always break for the things that break your heart. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that there's some distance in your relationship with God, God has this unique, incredible way of making up the distance. And maybe you feel like you're late. Maybe you feel like, man, you don't know my story. I've done too much. Let me tell you, there is nothing that you can do for God to give up on you. And God right now wants to make up the distance. And all you have to do is say, God, I'm willing, I'm able, and I'm ready. And I dare you right now just to repeat this prayer after me. If you know that there's some distance in your relationship with God or you don't have a relationship with God, just say this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart today. I stop so that you can start. God, make up the distance of my past. Make up the distance of my misery. You have a purpose and a future for me. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are my savior. You are my Lord. You are my King. And I'm saved today in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. And can we just put our hands together and celebrate all of the people at every campus. Christ Fellowship, we love you. God bless you. I can't wait to see you guys next time. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.